Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. 2 Samuel chapter 5, I'm going to read a few verses of scripture from here and then get into the word of the Lord with you. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse number 17, if you would just remain standing until I've completed the reading of the entire book of 2 Samuel. <laughs> Is the Delmas family here? Are they here? I know they're here somewhere over here on this side. Wave to me, wave, wave. There they are. Beautiful family. Y'all are from Alabama, right? God bless y'all. The Delmas family. Y'all remember Wes Morgan and Joe Morgan and all the Morgan family? That is their family right there. That's their. Clap your hands for them all the way from Alabama. 2 Samuel 5, 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard about it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David came to his breakthrough. And David came to Baal Perazim, which means the Lord of my breakthrough. Put your hand right here and say, he's the Lord of my breakthrough. And David smote them there and said, the Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And there they left their images at the breakthrough. And David and his men burned the images at the breakthrough. And the Philistines came up yet again. They came again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord and he said, Shall I... And he said, Thou shalt, David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up this time, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. Very important. And let it be when you hear the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall bestir yourself. For then shall the Lord go out before you to smite the host of the Philistines. Tell your neighbor, you're not going to have to fight this one. Tell them God's got this one for you. You fought the last one, but God's got this one. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba even until you come to Gezer. I'll take my text from the first verse. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, they came to seek David. And David heard about it and went down to the hold. I'm going to preach a message for the next four hours entitled, They Heard That You Are Anointed. Tell three people that. They heard that you are anointed. They didn't hear you. Tell the person on the other side. They heard that you are anointed. 
Now say this with me. They heard that I am anointed. One more time, everybody, come on. They heard that I am anointed. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word, the praise and worship, the intensity of the praise, the intimacy of the worship. And now we ask you to give us insight into your word. Liberate people today. Deliver people today. Do what only you can do in this building today. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. I know you've been clapping and shouting and singing. But before you sit down, can you give God the biggest praise you gave him all day long? Come on, can you give the Lord the biggest praise that you've given him all night long, all day long? Come on. Praise your name, Jesus. You know what? I'm going to ask you to lift it up one more notch. Come on, shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Bless your name, Jesus. Have your way. We bind every devil. We beat back every principality. We remove the garment of heaviness and put on a garment of praise. We bless your name. Come on, church. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. You ought to praise him. He saved you. He delivered you. He healed you. He liberated you. He kept you. He preserved you. He protected you. Bless your name, Jesus. If he's ever done one thing in your life, one more time, give God a high praise. Come on, let the high praise of God be in your mouth and a sword in your hand. Woo! Yay! Somebody getting healed right now. Somebody's being delivered right now. Somebody's getting your breakthrough right now. Thank you, God. Woo! Hallelujah. If you don't feel something, you might not have something. High five your neighbor and tell him he's in the building today. He's in the building. God is good. God is good. God is good. You may be seated. I want to apologize to you because this is probably the first series that I've ever preached that came on a skipping type sequence. We started this series, I think, four or five weeks ago. I preached the first message, and then I was out of town, and then came back, preached the second part of the series. Then how many of you enjoyed Trey Johnson last week? That's a real cowboy right there. And then Trey Johnson, and then, so now I'm back this week. And we started this series calling it The Oil. And we talked about um, a few weeks ago when we started this series, Matthew chapter 25, where the Bible says, They that were foolish took their lamps but took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels. And we talked about the last days, the study of eschatology, the study of the last days, and how that Jesus spoke a parable, and he said in the last days in Matthew 25, he doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is like, but he says the kingdom of heaven shall be like. He said if you want to know what the kingdom of heaven looks like, 
in the last days, it'll look like ten virgins. Five are foolish and five are wise. The foolish do not like money. They do not like precedence. They do not like posi lack position, but they lack oil. And he said the wise do not lack oil, but they carried oil with them. Insinuating the idea that there is a necessity of oil in the last days. Now, I don't know what you believe, but I believe that we're living in the last days. And I can, I can explain that at a later time. But any time that cosmos is about to show up and God begins to bring order into the earth, there's always a chaotic condition that precedes the cosmos. Things get chaotic before they become cosmos or in order. Um, I believe that we are at the critical crossroads of history, specifically in the church, like we've never seen it before. And I believe one of the strategies of the enemy is an attack on the vocabulary of local assemblies. And one of the things that I believe the enemy has been very instrumental in is extracting key words from kingdom vocabulary. For example, you rarely hear today messages preached in local churches on a word like anointing. That is not taught, it's not preached, and I believe we are challenged today to get back to what's important to Jesus and his kingdom. And so when I look at the anointing, I cannot look at the anointing without considering oil. They are synonymous. They're not similar. They are synonymous, which means they do not just stand in contrast, but they stand in combination. They're important to each other. So when you say the anointing, you think about oil. When you say oil, you think about the anointing. The anointing is the supernatural power of God for supernatural assignments in the earth. The anointing is the supernatural power of God for supernatural assignments in the earth. Everybody with me on that? So when we read 2 Samuel chapter 5, the subject of the story is a man named David. Now, this guy, when we think of anointing and oil, David is one of the first men in Scripture that we always think of. And we always think of 1 Samuel 16, his first encounter with oil. When the prophet Samuel shows up at his dad's Jesse's house with a horn of oil, and he says, where are your sons? And then Jesse obliges him, are you with me? By lining up his sons in the house. And everyone that Samuel looks at, God speaks to Samuel and said, he's not the one. And he even is so specific that he says, do not consider his height and do not consider his visage or his countenance. He said, because God looks at the heart. I don't know how I can emphasize that anymore. God looks at the heart 
and not the outward appearance. God is looking at the heart and not the outward appearance. And later, the Bible is going to tell us that when David, God found David, he found a man after his own what? His own heart. So it's really the heart condition that God focuses on. Now, David is anointed for the first time by being pulled from the outside. You just missed that right there. He wasn't in the house. He was outside the house. He was already rejected. He was already cast off. And God said he's not in the house. He's somewhere else. And, and Samuel asked Jesse, do you have another son? And he says, I have a son, but he's outside taking care of his business. And Samuel says, call him in. As soon as he walks in the door, God speaks to Samuel and says, rise up and anoint him to be king over Israel. And that's David's first encounter with the anointing. Oh, you ought to study it. Because when he pours out that horn of oil, the Hebrew etymology is that that horn of oil galvanized the call and cause of David's life. It didn't liquefy him. Oil does not liquefy you. Oil galvanizes you. I'll leave that there. But then his second anointing comes in 2 Samuel chapter 2 where the Bible says in verse 3 that his men that were with him did David bring up. That'll preach by itself. That when you get with an anointed leader wherever God takes him, he takes the people. That'll preach by itself. And every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. The men of Judah anointed David. Praise recognizes praise. And he reigned over Judah for seven and a half years. And that brings us to 2 Samuel chapter 5, where we are today. But before I go there, the last anointing, that David enjoys is found in 2 Samuel chapter 12. I hope I'm not boring you. Man, I can't stand to listen to a boring preacher. 2 Samuel chapter 12 is his last anointing. And this is anointing that does not come by a prophet. It does not come by elders. It does not come by his peers. This is an anointing that he has to give himself. Because in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 20, he has now prayed over a mistake for three days and three nights that God would resurrect a son that David had out of wedlock with a girl named Bathsheba. God did not hear his prayer. The baby died. And the Bible says David got up from the ground after three days. And the Bible says he anointed himself, he washed himself, and he went to the house of God. Can I help you today? When you are at rock bottom and you can't find a preacher, you can't find a friend, you can't find no help anywhere, sometimes you have to anoint yourself. And I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've had to get that olive oil out, pour it in my hand, put it on my own head and say, I pray for myself in the name of Jesus. I know how to pray for myself. Other folks don't know what you're going through, but you know what you're going through, and you ought to know how to pray for yourself. 
If you've ever prayed for yourself, let me hear you say something. Have you ever done something so bad that everybody walked out on you? And that's where David was. And David was left by himself with the anointing. But in 2 Samuel chapter 5, this third anointing is our focus today. He has now reconciled the kingdom. He's brought Judah and Israel back together. After seven and a half years of him reigning over Judah, the men of Israel come and they join with Judah. And now the kingdom is about to be reunited. The twelve are coming back together. The twelve tribes are now reuniting. Powerful stuff. But I love their vocabulary because when they anoint him, they say we are now bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. Where did you hear that the first time? In creation with Adam and Eve. Man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be united with his wife. They will be, she will be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That is the deepest sentiment of covenant ever offered in scripture. That kind of unity is rarely found. It's scarcely found. But when you find it, you are a powerful force. So it is there in that kind of covenant language that the Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 5 that David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. Huh. Everyone say these words with me. The effect of the anointing. I'm going to just say it real quick and I'm going to move on. You better recognize two things. You better recognize when God has anointed you. And you better recognize that when God anoints you, your adversary is paying attention. The anointing does not repel your enemy. It attracts your enemy. But after he's anointed in verse 12, the Bible says he perceived when, after the anointing, that the Lord had established him. He recognized and cared for what God had done. The word established in the Hebrew means to set up, to render sure, to, proper, uh, to, to prop up, or to prosper. To be fitted, fixed, and framed for the position. David perceived that God set him up. David recognized that God fixed it, framed it, and fashioned it for him to enjoy. Let me tell you something. The enemy's greatest nightmare is that you awake to your identity in Christ. The enemy's greatest nightmare 
is that you get a revelation of who you are. I'm going to say it again. His greatest nightmare is that you get a revelation of who you are. Isaiah 61 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. It's the light of your identity. It's when you open your eyes that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That there's nobody else like you in the whole world. When you get a revelation that you are the head and not the tail. You are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come, blessed when you go. That you cannot be separated from the love of God. That your identity is hid in Christ. When you get that revelation, the enemy goes into a tizzy because he does not know what to do. That's why he attacked Jesus in the wilderness. And he said, if you be the son of God, then do this. He wanted to know, do you know who you are? The anointing enables you. It empowers you. It equips you for success. And David recognized that God had set him up for success. Will you lift your hands, please? God, I'm asking you to shift this church service from just a normal Sunday morning duty to a powerful, explosive move of God. And the first thing I'm going to ask you to do, Lord, is open the eyes of the understanding of these people that they begin to realize who they are, that they are sons of God. They are daughters of God. They walk in realms of royalty. They reign in majesty. They are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Lord, let them get a revelation of their power. Let them get a revelation of their potential. Let them get a revelation of their purpose. Satan, I bind you. Get your hands off the minds of these God's people. Open your eyes and realize who you are in God, in Jesus' name. Tell your neighbor, you better recognize. You better recognize. Oh, I feel like I gotta stay here. This ain't, I ain't even in my notes. I hear the Holy Ghost telling me to remind you of what Mordecai had to tell Esther. You better not forget why you are here. God has put you here for such a time as this. And if you forget who you are, then God will raise up somebody else. Throw your head back and shout, I know who I am. Say it again, I know who I am. I've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And David recognized that God had set him up. You must not only recognize the effect the anointing has on you, but you must also recognize the effect that the anointing has on your enemy. When the Philistines heard that David was anointed, 
Say it again. They heard that I am anointed. Tell your neighbor they heard that you are anointed. When the Philistines heard they had anointed David, they came up to seek David. And David heard about it and went to the hole. What aroused the enemy? They heard the anointing. They heard about the anointing. What aroused the enemy? They knew that David had taken his possession, namely Jerusalem. Three things aroused the enemy. First of all, his anointing. Secondly, what he possessed. And thirdly, that he had brought unity to the kingdom. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that arouses the devil like knowing you are anointed, number one. Number two, that you have come into your promise and into your possession. And number three, that you are walking in unity. Can I tell you the devil is doing everything he can do to divide the people of God in this last hour? He's doing everything in his power to separate the members of the body of Christ. But I came by to tell the devil too late. Oh, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that is poured on the head and runs down to the beard and to, a, to the collar of the robes. If you get in unity, if you come in unity, I didn't say unison. Unity. Harmony is the highest expression of unity. Get a hint. Everybody ain't like you. Don't get quiet now. Everybody is not like you. We have different color skin, different color cultures, different, different kind of backgrounds. We come from different areas. Diversity embraced is unity achieved. Until you embrace diversity, you ain't never gonna reach unity. Diversity embraces unity achieved. Unity achieved is power released, and power released is a world changed. Yeah. Are we all right? Yeah. The Bible says when they heard he was anointed, they knew he possessed Jerusalem, they knew he brought unity to the people of God that they came to seek him study the word to make inquisition severe questioning what do you know do you know who you are do you do you know who you are the enemy wants to know if you know what he knows about you say it again pastor Rick the enemy wants to know if you know what he knows about you Say this with me, I am the devil's worst nightmare. Say it again, I am the devil's worst nightmare. So they came to seek him, it means inquisition and investigation. 
with little regard to personal rights. I'm not worried about your rights. I'm here as an inquisitive enemy to investigate you. Do you know who you are? The Bible says the second thing they did is they spread themselves in the valley of Ephraim. It means they deployed, they were deployed or arranged themselves strategically for any military maneuver that Israel might take. Have you ever felt like the enemy had so set himself up against you that every way you turn, every time you try to move, you in a fight? I guess I'm the only one. Can I go ahead and be that transparent, vulnerable pastor that you are used to for just a minute? I'm going to do it anyway. Let me just say something to you. About a month and a half ago, I felt like our ministry hit a stride. What you talking about, Pastor Rick? Merging churches. Churches in San Antonio and different parts of the state, Bull Verde, all around wanting to join the Quest Church Network. Man, I started strutting and striding, saying, that's it. We finna annihilate this devil. Devil, you are in trouble because a whole entire army is coming after you. The kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent take it by force. We fix to advance this kingdom. And all of a sudden, you wake up one day and all hell done broke loose. You're going, what just happened? We were making strides. We were going every time we turn around, the enemy is in our face. Am I the only one that's ever gone through a season like that? I need you to shout this as loud as you can. It's a sign that I'm doing the right thing. Say it louder. It's a sign that I'm doing the right thing. See, in this, these devils here, these, this, this Philistine army, The Bible says in verse 22, they came again. After David defeated them, they came back. Now you feel like, you know, after somebody got a whooping like they got, they don't want no more. As soon as the whooping was over, they came back and got in the valley of Rephium, which means the valley of giants. We are invigorated. We have energy to fight you again. The idea is that they place themselves in a way to intimidate David and his people. We don't even want to fight you. We just want to intimidate you. Because we know if we fight you, you're going to defeat us. So we're going to use another method. We're going to use the method of threatening you. We're going to use the method of just intimidating you. Sound like the devil, don't it? Look at verse 17. The Philistines came to seek David. I love this, Tim. And David heard about it. You know what I came to tell you? The enemy is seeking you. Now you know. 
But watch what David did. There's a strategy to the anointing. The Bible says David went down to the hold. The anointing will always send you back to your positions of strength. The word hold means the fortress or the strong place. David said in 2 Samuel 22 verse 3, My God is my rock in whom I will take refuge. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold and my refuge and my savior. The anointing will always send you back to your positions of strength. The anointing sent him back to prayer. Verse 19. And David inquired of the Lord and said, Shall I go up to the Philistines? He inquired a request with requirements. I'm asking you what to do. Tell me what to do. Sometimes God says go. Sometimes God says stay. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. But you will never know what God's saying if you don't pray. Some of y'all are so frustrated with God for not giving you an answer and you've not asked him for an answer. You have not because you ask not. You expect God to work everything out in detail for you, but you don't have the discipline to pray about what you're facing. And the Bible says he prayed. He inquired of God. And he said, shall I go? The first time he prayed that, God said, go. And David went, and he defeated his enemy. The second time, he said, shall I go? And God said, no, you went the first time. I got him this time. I believe if we are obedient the first time, God will handle the second time. I'll end it. I'm going to go ahead and end it. Because I'm halfway done. But I feel the anointing in this building. came again, spread themselves in the valley, and David prayed. And God said, don't go up. Just get behind them. Come over against them behind the mulberry trees. And let it be when you hear the sound of a going. Tell your neighbor, Pastor Rick coming after you right now. No, they didn't hear you. Go on and tell them. Because I am. I'm coming after everybody in this room. It's time for everybody in this room to wake up and realize we are in a spiritual warfare and the devil hates you. He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your children. He hates your grandchildren. He wants them to die. He wants them to be destroyed. He wants them to be abused. And until you wake up and tell the devil you ain't having my family. said when you hear the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees 
bestir yourself. For I came here to take a stick and poke you in the side. When we rope and we got what we call a hot shot. And these cowboys know what I'm talking about. When them cattle get in that run toward that chute and they just want to sit there. You take that hot shot and you poke them in the rear end. Guess what they going to do? They going to move. I came here today with a Holy Ghost hot shot to poke you and tell you to get to moving. Well, some people ain't liking it. Y'all looking at me with your arms crossed. But I came to stir your spirit, man. I came to stir your spirit, man. Not your intellect, not your analytical processing. I came to stir your spirit, man. Like Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is within you. When you hear the sound of going, stir yourself. I looked at it and I said, Lord, why the mulberry trees? Because the mulberry trees were known to the Israelites as weeping trees. Why? Because of the sap that would come out of them when they were bruised. They would bleed when they were bruised. The mulberry trees. And he said, when you hear the sound in the top of the bruised trees, when you hear the sound of going among people that have been bruised, people that are bleeding, sounds and anointing are always connected, so connected that many times people hear sounds and think it's the anointing and it's just talent. They are so, uh, the anointing and sound is so closely connected that you'll hear a song and it make you cry. And it was talking about two people in an affair. And you thought it was the anointing. You have been fooled. That ain't no anointing. That's the devil. That's talent. Talent is powerful. The gift is powerful, but the gift ain't never replaced the anointing. The anointing is attuned to the sound of going. The anointing knows when something is moving. Spiritual people spiritually discern God is moving people that are not spiritual that know nothing of the anointing wouldn't know if God was moving or not moving the anointing leads us into all truth where the anointing is there's moving there's going where the anointing is, yokes that have kept you captive. Isaiah said the anointing breaks that yoke so you can get to going. I know I'm being real spiritual today. 
But I'm really here to, to a really attack logical processing of people that have come to an analytical way of living to God that's so cerebral that you wouldn't know if God come and sit next to you. The Holy Ghost could come and sit right by you and you wouldn't know it because it's not practical. Well, let me help you. Everything that God does is not always practical. Most of the time, it don't make no kind of sense. It's spiritual. And it's spiritually discerned. And that's why Jesus said the Father is spirit. And he is seeking those who will worship him in spirit. In the preface of every move of God, there are certain sounds. For Moses, it was Miriam's tambourine. For Joshua, it's the sound of a trumpet. For Gideon, it was the smashing of vessels. For Jesus being born, it's the sound of angels singing glory to God in the highest. For the apostles, it's the sound of the rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. When you're in the anointing, you've got to listen for certain sounds. For Elijah is the sound of the abundance of rain. The anointing is always looking for the right sound. Are you with me? Can I keep going? Do you mind? Can I take a little more of your time? You know what a sonogram is when they did that on summer? A sonogram is sound that creates a picture. It's known as ultrasound. The sonogram or sound shows what's inside of you. You know what I heard the Holy Ghost tell me in prayer this morning? I'm bringing a sonogram to your sanctuary because I want to know what's inside. The people, Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. We don't know what's inside of you till you start sounding off. What you sound off about the most is what is priority in your life. You let us see you when you begin to sound. Is there any praises in this building? Is there any praises on this side of the building? Tell your neighbor, let me see what's inside of you. Give God the biggest praise. Sound off. Sound off. Sound off. Sound off. Tell your neighbor, I dare you to sound off. You can stand, you can stand, you can stand. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O oh Lord, in the light 
of your countenance. Blessed are the people that perceive, that recognize, that understand, that know the joyful sound. In the Hebrew, the word is battle cry. Blessed are the people that know the battle cry. The battle cry is the sound of not weeping, not concern, not oppression, not depression, not gossip, not slander, not criticism. The battle cry is the sound of joy. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. There are two kinds of people in here, those that know it and those that don't. More than any other time in my walk with God, I hear the sound of the battle cry. Remain standing. He says, you will hear the sound of going. Don't miss this here. In the tops of the mulberry trees. The word going in Hebrew, Isaiah, means the sound of marching. Denoting a cadence and an order. Marching has a sound. Order has a sound. Mighty wind has a sound. Abundance has a sound. But he said, you're going to hear a sound. Everybody shout this with me. In the tops. sound in the tops. The Hebrew word here means the summit places. It means chiefs. Those who are in front. Heads. The anointed sound must start in the leadership. I'm not going to apologize for it. The anointed sound must start in husbands. Why does your wife praise louder than you, brother? The sound of going in the tops, in the chiefs, in the leaders, those who are in front, the husbands, the fathers, the elders, the leaders, the youth pastors, the Sunday school teachers, the children's directors. The sound of moving in the leadership. Let it be when you hear the sound of going in the tops that you bestir yourself. Hmm. Ooh, it's powerful. That you cut things off and be decisive about your destiny. You wanting your children to make right decisions and they ain't never seen you praise God. You want your children 
to be perfect in school and they ain't never heard you lift your voice and give God praise because you too much of a man's man. That's just not me. I'm just an old country boy from Oklahoma. I don't do that. I don't, it don't take all that for me, Pastor. It don't take all that. Your kids ain't never heard you praying, ain't never seen you praising, have never heard your voice lifted in worship, and you want to know what's wrong with your kids. I got you. It's you. Kids are going to repeat what they see exhibited in front of them. Boys, quiet now. Y'all were shouting a while ago, but I'm stepping on your big toe right now. Let me hear the men in this building lift your voice and give God praise. Come on, brothers. That scares the devil. That shakes hell. God called you to be a warrior, not a wimp. He called you to be loud, not quiet. He said, if you'll do it, he said, I'll go before you this time. And I'll fight the enemy for you. But you've got to hear the sound in the top places, in the top people, in the leadership. God is good, isn't he? Praise in front of your children tells your children who is priority in your life. Praise in front of your kids, worship in front of your kids, prayer in front of your kids tells them without any doubt that you are a child of God, that you depend on God for every decision, that you depend on God for direction, that you depend on God for provision, that you depend on God for protection, that you depend on God for promise, that you depend on God for prophetic future, that you depend on God for every aspect of your life. They don't know till you show them. All the men.